Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Pachuto, and I am blessed to have the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Eric Cano, in studio with me today. Eric, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, John. Uh, commonly, common error, but there's a lot of, uh, for my entire 41 years on the planet. Um, my name has been pronounced, has been butchered for years, and I never really uh, corrected anybody. It's actually Cano. But you are a, a diehard New York Yankees fan, so the Cano, I do, I will allow the Cano to slide. Right. But for most of my life, it's been Kano, which is wrong. Mortal just, Kombat style. Yeah, but I just <laughs> never bothered correcting people. Um, but I think somewhere in the last 10 to 15 years, I was like, all right, well, listen, that's not really my, my uh, how you say my last name. So um, it's Kano. Nice. Good to know. Could have yes. probably gotten that out of the way. Before the intro, <laughs> it, would, it would be like if somebody was like, "Is it John Prosciutto or is it John Picciuto?" Yeah, I'm yeah gonna, like just that. say Picciuto and don't call me late for dinner or whatever that fucking <laughs> dumbass thing is. Uh, can you introduce yourself to uh, the listeners? Uh, so my name's Eric. I am a casting director and mother agent slash model talent manager. Um, you know, born and raised in Jersey City. Currently, uh, still live in Jersey City. Um, I've been a uh, working in the fashion industry for the last 20 years or so. And, uh, you know, just really enjoying working for myself these last, this last almost decade, actually. Yeah, that's impressive. How does one start becoming Eric Gano? Well, I think <laughs> it started with getting fired from my job in 2015. I think that was kind of the, uh, the watershed moment in my life, uh, you know, up until that point. Uh, you know, back, let me backtrack a little bit. My, I am the eldest child of four. Um, I was, uh, my parents are immigrants. They came here in 1970 and 1972, respectively, from the Philippines. Nice. Um, from a young age, it was always, uh, I was always encouraged to just get a good steady job that would pay me well. And I'd do that job and then I'd retire one day, mm -hmm. you know, and I'd have kids, get married, all that stuff. Yeah. I, at no point in the journey, at no point growing up where my parents were like, well, you know, why don't you create something for yourself? Mm -hmm. And why don't you work for yourself? Um, so, you know, I kind of just, I did the thing you were supposed to do. You know, you're, you go to school, you go to college, you get your degree, in my case, English literature degree. With which I did absolutely nothing with, um, <laughs> yeah. but you know, luckily I didn't really pay, I didn't pay for school. Shout yeah. out Rutgers, class nice. of '03. Nice. Um, and you know, I got a job in retail to get my foot in the door in fashion because you know, when you're the child of immigrants and you tell them that you're going to take an unpaid internship for a summer, and the first thing they ask you is like, "Wait, so you're not going to get paid to work?" <laughs> <laughs> um, and you say, yeah, you know, it's like, it's, it's good experience and I'll meet the, I'll make connections. And then you find yourself working at blockbuster video, <laughs> your sub, your, uh, your summer going into junior year of college. Um, yeah. So, um, I graduated from Rutgers in 03, uh, you know, started working in retail, uh, excelled at sales. Nice. So, um, because I did well at sales, I got recruited by some, you know, uh, cool companies found myself working at Dolce & Gabbana, then working at uh, you know, a, st uh, a very well-respected store that's no longer a business called Jeffrey, New York. And then you know, I ended up at a now another store that is no longer a business called Scoop NYC. When I was working at Scoop NYC, I did some personal shopping on the side. I was the top 
salesman for men's in the East Coast. Wow. And I you start meeting some really exceptional yeah. and rich people. Yeah. Uh, you know, in my case, I you know, I met somebody that would kind of change the course of my career. His name was Dennis Page. I did uh, you know, I was the personal shopper of his wife and his teenage son at the time. And they came in and I remember her telling me that Janet was said that, oh, you know what? You'd like my husband. And I was like, oh, well, who's your husband? She, he was like, I, he works in publishing. I'm like, oh, what kind of publishing? Is he like, I asked, is he at Penguin or Simon & Schuster? She goes, no, he works for a small interest publish a magazine publisher called Harris. And I was like, is your husband Dennis Page? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, how do you know? And I go, well, I bought the first two copies of Slam Magazine and and Double XL Magazine in 1994 and 97. She goes, get out of here. I got to bring him in here. He's going to love you. So, you know, I thought she was just being polite. Yeah. Um, sure enough, she brings him back the next time. You know, we're, we're simpatico, just like kind of from Jump Street. He also grew up in New Jersey, um, working class and, you know, kind of long story short, gives me a job. I accept the job right away. Uh, I start working in ad sales for a men's fashion magazine. So kind of that was 07. Fast forward to 2012, the economy's tanking. Magazines are just a disaster, dying, yeah. Di a dying media. And um, I was recruited by a company called Thrillist Media Group to work as the senior stylist and, uh, you know, took that job. Part of that job as the senior stylist was to do all the casting mm -hmm. for Jack Threads, yeah. which was the, I don't know if you're familiar with Jack yeah, Threads. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Thrillist. The, the parent company. So I do that for three years and kind of just trudging along middle management, making pretty good money for an in-house stylist. Um, and then, you know, series of unfortunate events occur and I get, I find myself unemployed for the first time in your whole life, in my whole life. And that is like the, you know, come to Jesus watershed moment I spoke of. I, I like to think of a movie. I don't know if you're familiar with the movie um, Up in the Air. Yeah. So, J, you know, so George Clooney, there's that one scene where he's firing J.K. Simmons. Yeah. And he's like, well, well how much money did they pay you to give up your dreams? Oh, love that scene. And J.K. Simmons basically eviscerates him. $35,000. Yeah, $35,000. And he's like, um, so I found myself, you know, being fired. And it was like a... The firing didn't happen, just happen. It was like over the course of like 10 days. Yeah. So you're kind of sitting in this career purgatory. Watching people leave, yeah. No, and you're like, you know, you're supposed to come in and give a public apology. And then they tell you don't come in. And then you're like, well, what's going on? So I hire, I didn't hire. I, I reached out to a, an employment attorney who was a friend of a friend. And they said, well, it sounds like they're preparing to terminate you. Sure enough, that's what happened. Um, and then you just feel like sitting there like, oh man, I'm, I, at least I got a severance. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's kind of like, well, what do you do? And it's like, you find yourself in this pivotal moment in your career. I think I was like in my, I think I might've been, I was in my 33 years old, maybe. Yeah. You know, I was like getting ready to propose to my girl, uh, to my girlfriend and just like, what am I going to do? Yeah. Dude, it's so funny. I have the exact same almost to the day I was 33 got laid off in the middle of the pandemic mm -hmm. and I was like fuck I'm right. fucked and like there are some people who would take that moment and be like nope uh you know turtle shell take the first job available right. zero risk zero absolutely doing anything that 
you know, the antithesis of going out and striking out on your own. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fuck this shit. I want to do something else. I want to like be my own man. And obviously you did the same thing. What did your parents think of that? Uh, They were extremely supportive. I think we're not for the support. And I think, you know, Italians and, and most immigrant families have Mm -hmm. that same sort of stylistic, you know, parenting, right? Right. Like, correct. They want me to do well, and they're going to give me the the rope to right, right. either hang myself or you know jump off the cliff and yeah, bounce yeah, back, yeah. kind of thing, yeah. you know. And lucky for me, you know, I have an incredible work ethic, and I bust my ass, and obviously you do as well. Right. But it came to that exact moment where I was like, "What the fuck do I do now?" Yeah. And was there any doubt when that moment comes and you're sitting there like, "What the fuck do I do?" And well, was there any hesitancy to go strike out on your own? Well, I took a beat, you know, what I started kind of seeing what the job process, the, the job market was like, and it was bleak. It was like, you know, what do I do? Do I want to um, be another in-house stylist at some company that, you know, it'll be fine. It'll pay okay. Um, or do I, you know, what do I do? So for me, if I'm being honest, I, I went, I took a beat and I uh, went to um, California for 10 days with my wife, my now wife. And we went to San Francisco, saw some friends, drove down the PCH. She drove down the PCH down to uh, LA to see um, other close friends. And in that time, um, kind of, I did some, I guess, some soul searching. I'm like, what am I going to do? When I got, I told myself, I I told myself then that I would give myself this trip to not stress out about it Mm -hmm. because I had enough money to kind of be okay. But but the minute I got back, I was going to get to work. So, uh, you know, I took my laptop to the bar that my brother worked at and I posted up every day and I just, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I remember, so what I did do was I made a list of every single person that I'd ever done a favor for in my entire like, adult life, career, yeah. adult life, like is this now a good time to call in some sort of favor, see what's going on, kick the tires. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did that. Um, and that would, it wasn't fruitful immediately, but uh, you know, a month or two later, um, it would pay off. Uh, so what I did was I had lunch with a friend. Um, I don't know where he's at now. Uh, his name's Julian Schrader. He was, uh, we became Friend, became friends when I was working at Jack Threads. He was the model I probably worked with the most, that I booked the most. Um, and he told me, he was like, well, why don't you just forget about the styling, just lean into the casting. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, You're, you were really good at it. You remember everybody's name. He goes, I think you could do that. He goes, you know, what do you got to lose? And, you know, so then with that in mind, I was like, yeah, casting, it's a little bit less labor intensive intensive than being a wardrobe stylist. I think any wardrobe stylist knows that it's just a lot of work. It yeah. looks like you're playing dress up, but there's a lot of prep that goes into that. You're carrying around these heavy Ikea bags everywhere you go. <laughs> yeah. If you don't have a car, you're bringing them onto the subway. Buying, return. Yeah, yeah, it's just really, it's, it's, a grind. Hard, it's hard labor. Um, so... I thought about that for a millisecond. Decided, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean into casting, which brings me back to now I'm you know going through my Rolodex and you know who who kind of owes me a favor and it turns out all these people that I've kind of started, you know that I met when I was early on in my career, are, have now been elevated into positions, decision making positions, mm-hmm. power positions mm-hmm. where they can hire me and. Um, they did, you know, like got my first two big clients like right away. 
Um, I, the, you know, the LLC wasn't even really finalized yet, Yeah. but you know, I was working on a fashion week, my first fashion week show and working on the launch of a, uh, a women's lingerie brand that just recently sold for millions and millions of dollars. Wow. So, um, yeah, I guess kind of, I've always just been really kind of nice to everybody that I've met along the way. Totally. And I think that with combined with a good work ethic and, uh, you know, I think, you know, I got a lot of good cosigns from, from some of these people. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's kind of the, I guess the long story long. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. You so. know, it's funny. It's like the lesson that I've learned in, you know, creating a career out of thin air, right? Like I had never taken it's a good years. way to put it. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I, I did it and I'm doing it and mm -hmm. it's, it's the simultaneously the hardest thing I've ever done, the most rewarding thing I've ever done, the most fun thing I've ever done. It's like all those things. Um, kindness goes a long way, like facilitating of relationships and building those uh, bonds with people, right. whether you meet them for five minutes, five hours, five right. days, whatever can be crucial because right. I think that's like the crux of life, like right. friendships, community building, mm -hmm. like those are the things that are inevitably going to lead you down the line to success. Um, and I think, I, you know, I, I don't know if it's like the immigrant mentality because obviously my grandparents weren't born here and your parents weren't born here. It's, it's pressed upon us to treat people the way that we want to be treated. Correct. And you get to a point where you have this come to Jesus moment where you're trying to facilitate what the what fuck you're going to do with the rest of your life. Right. And you lean back on the things that the way you've treated people. Yeah. And I think that's, that's pretty fucking cool. What was the scariest thing about like striking out on your own? Um, besides paying rent. <laughs> oof. Uh, the scariest thing was tax season. It's still <laughs> the scariest thing. Uh, you know, like I've been at it since, uh, 2015 on my own. And you know, it's, I could stand to everybody's like, well, you pay your quarterlies. And I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> how do you want me to answer that question? Yeah. Um, I always pay my taxes, but it's always like knowing it's like that, dr you know, that dreadful time where, you know, all the 1099s are coming in. You're like, oh, I should probably get my act together. And then you're like, up, uh, you see the, you know, that four, four fifteen date is rolling around and you're like, ah, I'm going to extend till October. <laughs> I'm currently in that position again, every year, every year. Every it's year. like, you know, and for me, it's, it's just, it's just, um, filing my expenses. Yeah. You know, like get uh, compiling all those receipts. That's the scariest part. Honestly, it hasn't been that bad. You know, I always wonder a, a friend of mine, I'll shout him out, Ryan Slack, uh, another photographer, good guy, um, also a watch guy. Nice. Um, you guys, you know, he's salt of the earth. You'd, you'd really like him. Uh, Ryan once told me, his father said, he goes, son, every client you have is going to fire you at some point. And I, you know, and he was, you know, he's right. I mean, maybe not fire you, but, but leave, but, you. Yeah, yeah, but not use you or leave you or, you know, Maybe there's a change of, of, of at, at the top leadership wise and that new creative director, art director wants to bring their people in mm -hmm. and it's never personal, even like though sports. it feels personal because they're essentially cut, you know, shutting off a valve for you to make money. Yeah. So it, it feels personal, even though it's not, you mm -hmm. kind of just, and it's happened to me, uh, you know, clients come and go. I think, um, trying to customer acquisition. It's tricky. Yeah. Um, I think retaining the clients is easier. 
Um, if you, if you just work hard and you're honest and, uh, I think the clients come back. I've actually found the acquisition part of this creative career, the hardest, but when you do get a good client, they tend to stick. Yes. And I think they're the vast majority of people in this industry are probably not coming from sales backgrounds. Right. And I think because of that, I probably had a leg up. You probably had a leg up in, in being able to acquire. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's business development, right? You know, it requires a certain kind of a thickness of skin to Mm -hmm. go out and just hear no all the time. And then, you know, like your sales director. So I was like, you know, every no leads to a yes. It's (laughs) like that cliche that, you know, it's a numbers game. It is, yeah. Uh, but you know, it's, yeah, the client, cl- I, you know, client acquisition is for sure the hardest, one of the hardest parts of this. I'm curious, aside from the dollars and cents of it all, like when you wake up, go to work, like do your daily grind, like what is it or how do you measure success? Like, you know, placing people in big campaigns, sure. Mm-hmm. Getting one of your uh, mother agent uh, models signed mm-hmm. to a big agency, great. Like, what is success to you, especially at this point of father of two and, mm-hmm. you know, you've been doing this for a long time? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. How do I measure success, I think, or happiness? It's, you know, and if we're removing, finan- you know, the financials of it, I think it's, um, do when I wake up in the morning, do I really dread getting dressed, driving to the studio to another day in the, you know, quote unquote trenches. And and the answer is I have, I can probably count on two hands how many of those days I have in a year. Yes. Some days are just going to be a little bit um, yeah. harder to get out of bed. You know, mm-hmm. like it's easier to, you know, sometimes it'd be nice to kind of stand phone, <laughs> phone it in, yeah. stay in your pajamas, watch the office reruns and, and you <laughs> know, and God knows that if you ask the people that I'm close with, I should, they'd tell you I could probably stand to take a few more of those days. But, you know, they, it's that thing. They, they, you know, you do something you love and it's, you, you're not, it's like you're not working. No, you're, you're working. Yeah. It's not like you're on Italian holiday. You know what I mean? You're, <laughs> we are, you are, wor- I am working. I'm sending emails out. I am texting photographers to see, you know, if they want to, if, if they want to collaborate what their schedule's like. It's, but, what else would I rather be doing? Like, you know, like working at a bank, selling mortgages or like being an insurance guy or, you know, no, I love what I do. You know, it's not, it's, it's client service. Uh, you know, everything I do, like the clients I work with, whether it's American Eagle or Bombus or Uniqlo or, or, um, Vogue or other photographers or art directors, you know, they're my clients. The models that I am mother agent to, I look at them like they're my clients. I'm working with them and for them. And, uh, you know, it's, there are a lot other, there are a lot crappier ways to make money. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, uh, I think there has been two monumentally rewarding things to the journey for me. It is the confidence and the comfortability that I've developed in my own skin over the last three years like I can't understate or undersell really how easy it is to be me Mm -hmm. and like the way that me doing my own thing, the thing that I'm supposed to be doing has 
like just led to so many opportunities and great things. The flip side of that is at the time in 2020, when I lost my job, I was like, my fucking life is over. Like it's, it's such a, the duality of my future is wide open and right in front of me. And at the same time, like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I've developed like thick skin in this industry and, and the ability to overcome a lot of failure and a lot of obstacles. What do you think is instilled in you that has allowed you to grow through the adversity to become the success that you are today? Well, you know, I think that what's allowed me to be successful throughout the obstacles, you know, it's, I try to have a short memory. Um, uh, Definitely try not to take anything personal. Uh, And you just, you ever see the movie, The Martian? Yeah. Okay. Matt Damon's character gets marooned out in Mars and finds his way home, right? Ends up, I think the the film concludes with him being a, a, a professor maybe at MIT. Yeah. And in that, the big, my, the key takeaway there for me was like, he, he just says, you, you kind of look at all of your problems. It's a big problem, right? You make them, you all, you turn them into smaller problems mm-hmm. because it com- becomes easier to digest them and easier to solve them. And you go ahead and you small solve as many of those little problems as possible. And if you solve enough of them, the big problem gets, answered. the big problem gets, gets answered. I, that has been my approach since I've seen that movie. There's nothing, you know, I, I'm dealing with constantly dealing with pro- some sort of putting out some sort of fire and, and th- there's always going to be some adversity. I, I th- think relative to some of the adversity that other, you know, career people face, this is, it's relatively uh, small peanuts, right? Yeah. You know, what's the, what's the worst thing that happens? Like a model doesn't show up on time and it gives me a headache because, Maybe I'm trying to exercise and like not be answering emails at 8.30 in the morning. Yeah. But, you know, that's small. Those are, those are small potatoes and it's just kind of taking a beat. Um, you know, I've kind of learned to like uh, – I, th- I started doing therapy during the pandemic. The and, best. Yeah, I was just like, why did, why did it take me so long to do this? Because um, you're a man. And yeah, you same, know, it's like toxic yeah. masculinity. Yep. and. That's the immigrant mentality. That thanks, Im- <laughs> thanks immigrant parents. Yeah, right. um, it's like, what do you mean? You you pay me up to tell me your problems. You know, that's what my I think my dad and mom both said that to me, um, which is such a joke. Uh, but therapy, you know, kind of just co- these coping mechanisms to kind of deal with problems. I mean, like we all have problems, right? And when I think about it, I'm like, let me. If I start moaning to somebody about like like really that that's your problem. I think we live in a time where because we have just such brain inundation and noise that it's so much noise. It's so much. It's oftentimes very easy to lose the idea that you're struggling with something and simultaneously easy to avoid it to the point where it ultimately becomes an actual problem. Yes. And, uh, I love therapy. I've, I'm the biggest proponent of it. I yeah. think it's changed my life coincided with losing my job. I think it right. just, it's exceptional. And I think people who don't do it just are, you know, it's like running a race with one shoe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're doing a disservice to yourself. I think that we all, um, you know, owe it to ourselves to kind of speak to somebody that doesn't know us from Adam and kind of just like, these, this is what they went to school for professionally to kind of help people yeah. to, to deal with, 
their problems or to sort their problems out or just have somebody to talk to and get an objective opinion. And I think that, you know, unbiased as well. Unbi- yeah. Unbiased opinion. Like I don't, they don't know me from a hole in the wall. So they're they're They don't know about all the crap I've been, all my baggage and all the crap I I'm carrying with me. They can give it to me straight. And I think that's what I really like about it. I, I think that my last therapist, she was great, very sweet, but ultimately I don't think we were the right fit. So I, I haven't been in a while, but uh, you know, I, I should get back in. I look I at therapy in. like I look at my relationship with the gym. <laughs> there are no, because it is a muscle, right? It is like my mental strength is the same as like, you know, me working out. Right. And sometimes I need a few months of really heavy mental therapy. And right. you know, I haven't gone in probably five months, six right. months, but there are, it's like a, you know, you're, it's like a car. You need right. to service a car, do a couple For thousand. Sure. Yeah. How much do you think the comfortability that you have in yourself as I hate the word, but entrepreneur and mm-hmm. self-employed kind of person came with age and life experience? Uh, all of it. All yeah. of it. I, it. There's a, what's the saying? The youth. No time is wasted on youth. whatever. I don't remember what it is. Um, youth is wasted on the youth or something like that. Yeah. It's like, or, yeah, something like, yeah, I don't energy or exuberance. Yeah, well, or you, you'll, yeah. you'll need to yeah, look fact check it. Yeah. yeah. Fact check it. Um, I think it's all perspective. You, you, the sad thing about this all is that you, th- when you're young, what's this, this, I know the saying young, dumb, and full of cum. <laughs> and you just think you're invincible. Cheesy, right? <laughs> yeah. And you know, everything. And you swear you're the first, it was like, we're like Christopher Columbus discovering you everything. Know, everything, right? You, know, you swear, you know, it all you're invincible. And then as you get older and life beats you up a little bit, and I'm a really cynical guy. Um, you just see that like you didn't know anything, nothing, and life actually has to happen to you, hundred percent, before you're able to have the pers- the wide a wider perspective, which will allow you to be more empathetic towards other people, mm-hmm. and will just allow you to be a better, what I hope is a better business person. And I think that had I was I, you know, I'm I'm 41, I'm going to be 42 at the end of the year. I think 10 years ago, 15 years ago. If I had this career, then Oof. it you know It'd I would be over. It would be it would have already been over because yeah. I wasn't mature enough and wise enough to you know to be to be responsible or to not you know or to be professional. To not think you had all the answers. yeah, not to think I had all the answers or just to keep it professional. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I for a long time on this podcast, the single repetitive trope was. You know, at 33, I lost everything. At could 23-year-old John or 25-year-old John have taken any of the life lessons that I learned, you know, from 25 to 35 and grown from them? And I think the answer inevitably is always no. The time and the life lived is what allows you in your 30s and your 40s to fucking dominate. Right. And I, I, I think, you know, it's nice for me. I'm only a couple of years behind you, but it's nice to know that like I've reached the point where I've figured it the fuck out. Right. And it's like, if you're in your twenties and you're listening to this, it's like, you have no answers. It is okay to be completely and utterly confused about everything in life. The person you're dating, the job you're doing literally everything because it's going to take you 10 years to figure it out. Right. It's like the tale that of life is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I feel 
every year that passes, I just feel more and more comfortable in my own mm. skin. I know who I am. I know the things that I need. I know what makes me tick. And I, I just know how to, you know, I just, I'm just a little bit more self-aware. And adaptive uh, and yeah, flexible. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's, it just makes life as, you know, running a business um, that much easier because you just know, you know, that it's okay not to have all the answers. It's okay to take a beat and, you know, kind of think things through before you, you know, you say things. Um, yeah, no, no. I, I think if I told, if I told 31 year old Eric that this is what he'd be doing, I don't know that he'd believe, I don't know that he'd believe Sam. I mean, fucking geez, 27 year old John was fixated on making as much money as humanly possible, right. doing as much as possible, like going to the clubs every right, fucking yeah, weekend and like the things that don't matter. You have to spend the time doing them. Yeah. You, it, you know, I, I have, I'm very, very close friends. My, my, my youngest brother's my best friend. Um, I, I'm six and a half years older than him. I did everything. I made all the mistakes. I would give him advice and he would do the opposite. <laughs> yeah. People just need to learn through mistakes, through mistakes. That's the only way you're going to learn. You can have the blueprint. This is what you do to have a successful life, to have, you know, you know, the beautiful wife, the cars, the cars, the watches, the house, the vacations, and people will still kind of do their own thing because mm -hmm. who wants to just follow some manual on, on how to be successful? It's so, that's so boring. I think if anything, there's like the biggest cliche ever is like life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Right. And my life has been that like to a T yeah. like, I mean, we didn't know each other 12 months ago no. and now I consider you a friend, a yeah. mentor, like someone I like so, so seriously look up to. Oh, yeah. And five years ago, I had no idea that this world existed. And it's like, it's unbelievable what you could accomplish as you grow with age. Like no. it's, 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 I laugh a lot about right. like the dumb luck that I've had in right. life, like being able to figure out what I want. And it took a while, but it's like, there's no such thing as an overnight success. It's no. like years, months, weeks, hard work. That yeah, I mean, these positions. overnight success. I mean, listen, if you're, if your parents super famous then yeah, or, or super or rich, rich yeah, right. then yeah, overnight success. But you know, for guys like us, um, uh, no, you know, and but, you know, before we continue, I'd like to just shout out, uh, our buddy James Walters, yes. aka James Wolf. Mr. Uh, Wolf. We're not sitting here uh, if it's not for James. And funny story about James. This is how life is funny. Uh, I'm working at Jack Threads. You know, the budget's not great for talent. My, the guy that was work, my assistant stylist said, "Oh, I met this cool. I met this interesting guy on on the L train. Uh, he's from Jersey too. Uh, he's a redhead. Uh, you know, I think." You should maybe meet him. You know, he'd probably be an inexpensive freelance model. In comes this strapping lad from Bergen County, uh, James Walters at the time. Um, and, you know, we this was 2012. And it's that's more than 10 years ago. And, I, you know, I, he worked for me as a freelance model for a bit. And then 
we lost touch. He moves out to LA to be a, an actor or whatever it is that he, he's, he's trying to manifest for himself. And one day he just texts me and he's like, Hey, you mind if I introduce you to my buddy, John, also a Jersey guy. And I'm like, automatically. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I ride really hard for Jersey. Um, no slander tolerated. <laughs> um, and he's like, Oh yeah. Hey, let's connect. Yada, yada, yada. Sure enough. You come in and you know, a year later, you're, we're buddies. Like, and I, I got to say, I don't, when you, the older you get, the busier you become, you have wife, kids, family. I don't, it's rare for me to kind of allow myself the time to make new friends Same. or to hang out or just like grab a Bev or do the podcast. But uh, I feel like we became fast friends. Uh, we were raised kind of the same way. We like the same things. We are, we are suckers for the same sports teams. <laughs> um, but yeah, shout out to J James Walters. I, not, not to go off on a, no, I know, think it's not such, to go off on a Peter Griffin kind of a non sequitur. I think it's so important though, because like so much of life, like what you touched upon early was your life is planned out for you. You go to high school, you get good grades, you go to college, you get good grades, you go to get the first job, the second job, the third job, everything's laid out in front of you. But what the crux of life is about is the people mm -hmm. and were it not for my friend rick whose cousin is james mm -hmm. who introduced me to you right we're not here today no and that is the beautiful thing about no, life. that yeah it's... and that is how amazing things happen when you open yourself up to the possibilities of the people and the places and the things right and you end up having these kind of relationships which are fucking hilarious yeah. they just come out of nowhere and, and it's beautiful know, and I'm not everybody's cup of tea and I'm sure you're not, but we For happen sure. to be each other's cup of tea. Uh, so, and it works out. We get to collaborate on a, on a professional level. We're friends and that, you know, people ask me what I like about casting, what I like about being a mother agent. I really like meeting the people, hearing the stories, having people tell me what they want to manifest for themselves. Why? I just, it's the spice of life for me, like just meeting new people. And I have always been a connector. Same. I've, I've always, if I can help somebody, I will. Mm -hmm. uh, in the case of being a mother agent, you know, in the case of a casting director, let me walk that by. There were, you have a project. You need, to, you need to find the right talent for your project. I want to be able to connect you. And, and, with and your end goal. With, with, yeah, with your end goal. I want to make that happen for you. I, there is joy in that for me. Same. Um, I can't give you the psychology behind that why it brings me joy but it does sam but with the models it's you know you hear the you meet these people and they're like an it's like a piece of clay that hasn't been molded yet and, and you know that i can take my experience my working experience and really shape them and help them achieve their goals and I get a kick out of it when, you know, like I get an email from their booking agent and it's like, you've been confirmed for Maybelline for $5,000. And I'm just like, fuck yeah. Like you're, you know, like you're just from Tulsa, Oklahoma. You, oh, that that's, you introduced me to Kira, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. That's another one, right? You're like, I met this girl, Kira, you know, I'll intro you. What do you think? She is a delight. You know what's funny? It's just like. I, I so fuck with that connector mentality right. because, listen, no exaggeration. Ten years ago, I had no interest in anybody else's success other than my own. Right. And now I've reached peak comfortability and I know my success is going to come. Right. Has come. 
in the meantime, I want everyone else to be on my level. Right. And that only comes with time and age. Yeah. And it's some Kira found me on Instagram. We did a test shoot. I was like, you should meet my buddy, Eric. You sign her. Now she's killing it. Yeah. That is life. That yeah. is life in a nutshell in such a wonderfully amazing fucking awesome way. Right. You know, I joke around with some of my talent or just anybody that, that knows me and knows that I've been doing this. And it's, um, you know, I joke around and I say, you know, they're like, well, like, what do you hope to accomplish out of this? And I go, you know, one day. I hope one of these people is accepting accepting some sort of Academy Award <laughs> and shouts me out, you know, like, you know, I just want to thank Eric Cano for, you know, I just, I just want to be on the list of the shout outs. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, and I, there, you know, it's very telling because I'm similar in that I don't need the personal accolades. No. And I think similarly, you're, I'm a you're, back of house guy. I don't, yes. I'm the guy, I, I'm a behind the scenes back of house guy. Yeah. There's there's something very telling about age, upbringing, and whatever the tie-ins that some psychologists can make about people who want to see other people be successful. And I think that's that's awesome. It's not common because, mm-hmm. especially in, in the country that we live in oh, yeah. and this time in the world, individual accolades are what everybody strives for. Right. But I have no interest in fame. I have no interest in accolades right. i just want to be doing the things that make me happy and right. that's taking pictures and having these conversations and living a, a fun you know, life i just did this amazing i'm filipino and uh, i'm first generation american here and vogue philippines launched last september and um i was asked two friends of mine um danilo hess a fashion photographer and adi umali a really talented creative director mentor big brother type to me they you know they said we're gonna work on this filipino portrait thing we want to kind of just take pictures celebrate the diaspora of filipinos in in you know in the fashion industry model specifically Mm -hmm. so we had this ongoing project we shot we ended up shooting 71 models 71 jesus uh, new york la london some of it shot in this studio where where we're filming right now and uh you know so Long story short, Vogue Philippines picks it up. They run it, and and I, you know, I my name is maybe in the the uh, in the article Credit, for a second, yeah. but it's just seeing all these faces, and I helped, I casted all of them. I well, I cast casted is not a word. Yeah. I cast <laughs> all of them for this. Uh, it was just really special to see. Is that it. like it, a pinch me moment for you? As yes, a Filipino a- absolutely. I, I think that yes, I would love to. Be featured in Vogue. I would love to do something for Vogue America or UK, but if that never happens, I'll always have Vogue Philippines, and it's my parent. It's the country where my where my parents were born, and that's really special. And then, sure enough, a few months down the line, they feature uh, they feature my store, Sino, uh, rest in peace, um, <laughs> and I get my picture in there. And you know, I was kind. Of, it's still weird to kind of see my my face in there because, like I said. I'm usually the, the the guy that works behind the scenes, mm-hmm. but you know, it, I almost didn't post it on Instagram. And somebody was like, "What's wrong with you? Like, take take a bow. You work yeah. really, really hard. Uh, you should, you know, celebrate your successes." And I think I'm I'm starting to learn that to become more comfortable. Yeah, you know, for me, it's just like the check cleared. Cool. All right, let's move on to the yeah. next project. But allowing myself the space to kind of 
celebrate the wins and appreciate it. Yeah, and appreciate it. That's new. For, uh, that's new for me. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I ran into so like back in the day, I used to write for Elite Daily. I don't know if you remember them. I was an online blogger for them way way back in the day. It's like Barstool. Yeah, but it was like for like you know millennials and talking about like relationships and dating and like I had this whole like thing that okay. I told no one about. Like okay. I didn't publish it. That right. like I was like it was like Tucker Max. Yeah, okay. I mean it was like you know I was talking about like dating and relationships and stuff for Elite Daily. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we're talking like over 10 years ago and my point of contact there, I randomly ran into at the Penn station, like seven, 10 days ago. Oh, wow. And it was like, so nice catching up. And she paid me a compliment that I have such a hard time accepting compliments. Uh I don't know if you're the same. Uh, it goes to the accolade thing. I don't like, like to be like praised for anything. Like it just feels icky to me. And she was like you took a chance in your life and like did something that was like completely out of the norm for like what you were trying to do and you're doing it. And it, and I find that so inspiring to me and it totally blew me away that someone who I have an internet relationship with Mm -hmm. would like take the time out of their day and like praise me in that regard. On the flip side of that is as a, as a person who's become your friend over the last couple of years, I, I find it remarkable the things that you've been able to build the obstacles you've been able to overcome and the business that you've established. And as someone who has obviously a rooting interest, it's really cool to see someone who's kind of in the same boat that like doesn't need the praise, doesn't need the accolades, but it is deserved. Yeah. It's funny. You say that first of all, thank you. Second of all, I, I just, this year was the first time I really took a step back out of my own skin and like took a look and was like, you know what, man, you did good, kid. Right. And it's not just the material things. It's not just the watch you always wanted that's on your wrist. It's not the house. It's not the beautiful family. It's you always kept it 100. You were always honest and transparent with the people you, that you work with, collaborate with. And you just work hard and everybody notices it. And you should... Allow yourself the moment, a, a, a brief moment to just be like, you know what? Maybe I am successful. Yeah. I'll never, ever, ever look in the mirror and be like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm successful. I'll never. And I think that's what that. It comes from your upbringing. Yeah. Well, that, you know, repressing that or whatever it is, it's <laughs> like kind of what drives me to continue to push forward to, to, to Mark John and just keep pushing for more. When, when will I ever be satisfied? I don't know. Truly, truly. I don't know. You know what? It's, it's funny because I have reached a point where I'm on the cusp of every hope, dream, desire I've ever wanted coming to fruition and satisfaction is always going to be something that is thank you to the train is is something that I can't measure. I am so blessed to be able to doing the thing that I want to be doing mm-hmm. that I don't know if satisfaction will ever factor into the equation. Right. I think it's one of those things where it doesn't matter the dollars in the bank, it doesn't matter the accolades, it doesn't matter the successes, it doesn't matter the failures. The fact that I get to wake up every day and do the thing that I love is all that needs to be measured. Right. And I think that maybe at some point I will be like, yeah, I'm satisfied with what I have achieved, but 
I don't know if it's, I think if you do something on your own at this age, it's impossible to be satisfied. Yeah, I think you will constantly be moving the goalpost right. further and further away, which is maybe not the best thing, but it is right. going to keep you hungry. Yeah, I mean, listen, is there, is there some level of toxicity there? Absolutely. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I remember a long, a while back, a friend of mine said, you know, there's the alley cat mentality and there's the house cat mentality. The house cat knows where its meal is coming from every night. Mm. They know who's going to pet it. They know who's going to take care of it. The alley cat scratches, closets, what they don't know where they're going to, how they're going to eat, but they're going to figure it out. And I think that people that, whether you're in a, whether you're in a, some sort of salary job or you work for yourself, if you can, if you can have the alley cat mentality, uh, that's just gonna that's just gonna serve you down the road. Uh, as far as like being an entrepreneur or working for yourself, it's just you know never be, never rest on your laurels, and always just you know if you strive for perfection, you'll you'll probably land upon greatness, right? Like mm, you know, yeah. there's no such thing as perfect, but you could be great. I love that metaphor. Um, I'm gonna steal that. Um, I think there are two things that I've learned as I've gotten older that, like I said earlier, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans and there's no telling what you can accomplish if you fucking just work at it. Right. You try right. really hard. Right. You may not achieve the thing that you're trying to do and that's totally okay. Right. There's a good chance that that failure will lead to something else. Right. And ultimately, it's the people, it's the relationships that you make across the way that lead you to the place that you're supposed to be. Yeah. Oh, the places you'll go, right? Like, oh, the places you'll go. Yeah, I just, you know, I love that the uh, the variety uh, of my day. All my days are kind of the same, but they're filled with a different cast of characters. It's like a, uh, um, it, it, and I, I love it. It's, uh, you know, to, today I was with you and a bunch of other people, and tomorrow I'll be doing the same exact thing with four other cast. different people, yeah. with a whole different cast of characters. Uh, you know, and it's, I love it. I wouldn't trade it in. I could never, I couldn't see myself working for anyone. Listen, I'll take a side gig. You yeah. Know? So, you know, anybody's listening here, you need a, you need a casting director or, or whatever, like, you know, holler at me. But, um, aside from that, I'm not, I'm living the dream. I work for myself. I, there's not my biggest problem. My wife would agree. There's not enough time in the day. My yeah. my biggest weakness right now is time management. It's the it's the elusive. It's trying to strike. No, it's trying to find the elusive work life balance. And, That's and everybody. It's, it's I mean it's everybody. It's especially me. It's like how much time we wear a, a lot of hats. Yeah, it's like you know, how much time do I? You know, my kids are. I remember the day I came home with my daughter, and and it's like. Four years, just like my son, two years almost. It's almost two years, and it's like, where does it even go? Uh, you know, one day I'm going to wake up, I'll be 62, God willing. Yeah. And, you know. With I think that's the other beautiful thing about time is you find the appreciation to figure out that work-life balance because you knowing now that you struggle with finding that balance is going to make you work hard to strike that balance. Yeah. I, 
Because like I don't think like I knew in my twenties that I was struggling with anything. Oh, who and does? Like, like, yeah. like you think you're invincible. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, how am I going to make more money? That's what that was yeah. what my twenties were. Or how am I going to party more? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like what's the magic drug I'm going to take that I can just party longer? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but I was talking to another one of my like you know mentors and good friends, and he said that you know he was watching some kind of documentary and. It was like, well, they interviewed a bunch of people in nursing homes or elderly homes or whatever. And it was like, what's your, what's your one biggest regret? And they, and across the board, it's that they work too much. Yeah. And I'm just like, I was like, wow. You know, like that kind of was a sobering kind of reality check. It's like, I could, you know, I'm not, you know, it's not quite banker money. It's pretty good money, but you know, like I put, solid hours in this is not a nine to five i'm no. you know like you're always yeah, on i'm always clock. on i'm yeah. always on the clock like if somebody in paris or london needs something or milan like one of my models manager agents out there needs something you're not gonna ignore the email. i'm not gonna ignore yeah. the email and wait till i'm ready yeah. no like i see you know listen if it's urgent it's getting i'm taking care of it right then and there but um yeah that's just it's it's funny that you know it's that trying to find making sure I'm present for my children, making sure I'm nurturing my marriage whilst at the same time, making sure I'm putting in an honest days of work so that we can go to Colombia for 10 days and just kind of hang. Yeah. And, you know, I finally allowed myself, this was a year I, I hired an assistant. Uh, I think, you know, her, Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. The best shout out Sarah. Uh, she's in Miami somewhere with her friends. <laughs> nice. um, she won't be listening to this, but no, you sure. know, it's <laughs> your, you, you kind of dig into your profit margin a little bit, but it allows to you that balance. to strike the balance, to, to not have to pay attention to your clients, every uh, wishing command. I don't know the movie. The quote is no amount of money ever bought a second of time. Uh, that is Avengers Endgame, And that was Tony John Tony. Slattery. Uh, that was Howard Stark to Tony. No, that was Tony Stark to Howard Stark relaying something that his father said to him back in the day. It was a mind. Elephant yes, mind. Yes. Uh, and it is the most important thing I think I've ever heard. Yes. Because you can buy all of the great shit. You can chase all of the great destinations on earth. No dollar is going to get you a single second more than you have no. here. And if you can have the appreciation for the people and the places and the time that you have, you'll lead a good life. Yeah. And I mean, I drink, you know, like amen to that. Yeah. Like, Dude, I am uh, incredibly thankful that you took this time out to be on my podcast. No, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad we finally got it on the books. I am a cheese ball. If you've been on my podcast, you're part of my family. I'm happy to call you one of my friends. And uh, thank you so much for the time. No, I appreciate it. And um, I'm honored that you would ask me to be here. And, uh, you know, onward and upward. Onward and upward. All right. Thanks, man.